0: Coming to you from beautiful Santa Barbara, California, promoting peace, healthy living and happiness. It's the Peace Podcast with host
1: Barbara Gahn-Mueller. Hello,
0: this is Barbara Gahn-Mueller. You know, each week we talk to people who are pioneering the possible, as the title of this book is, from Celia, Cilla, Cilla Elworthy. Cilla, Cilla Elworthy. Let's start this. With the right name, Sima Elworthy, <laughs> pioneering the possible. We are so lucky that she's here today because she has been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize three times. I read her book, Pioneering the Possible, Awakening Leadership for the World That Works. And I'm Barbara gonmuller your host for the next 15 minutes. You're going to hear what can happen when your vision becomes clear. You're gonna hear what can happen when you realize that some people might be trying to sabotage our work. Let's find out what we can do about that. Now, I could introduce her, but I wanna spend the whole time, even though she's been nominated three times for the Nobel Peace Prize. What I loved about her was she, when they brought the troops in in 1956 in Budapest, she went upstairs and packed her suitcase and she was ready to go help. That's my heritage. I'm Hungarian. I wouldn't be in this country if my grandfather wouldn't have immigrated from Hungary in 19, early 1900s so that he could avoid war. When the coffin maker was piling up the coffins, he said, what are you doing at 17 years of age? And the coffin maker said, we're going to need him. The war is coming. My grandfather, who was quite wealthy in Romania, Hungary, whatever it was called at that time, got $5 in his pocket and came to the United States. And I'm here today to interview Miss. Priscilla, as I call her. She's an angel from heaven. I'm going to start with the first question. You said the future belongs to those who can see it. Talk about that a little bit, because you definitely, definitely are seeing the future.
1: I didn't actually say that. That was my mentor, Professor Sir Joseph Rotblat, who was one of the first nuclear physicists working on the Manhattan Project. And he quit the Manhattan Project when he realized that Hitler did not or was not developing a bomb. He was a man of great principle, and he ended up uniting Russian and American scientists, nuclear scientists, to oppose the bomb. So um, he said, the future belongs to those who can see it. And that is absolutely close to my heart, because unless we have a vision, unless we can imagine what would be a better future, particularly now in this time of COVID, where it's so hard for people to see, how is this going to end? How are we going to make a better future for our kids out of this? It's terribly important to have a vision of the future. And you mentioned sabotage. Um, So many people now have become uh, oriented to the short term oriented to fake news, oriented to actually disbelieving that there is good in leadership. So it's up to us, those who've had the opportunity to grow through hardship like you did in, uh, and your parents in Hungary, like my father and mother did emerging out of the first and second world wars, and <clears throat> all the experiences we've had since We've managed to hone our leadership capacities so that we can stand up and take a stand on issues that matter now. And that's more important than it ever has.
0: You remind me so much of my late husband, Dr. Robert Mueller, and we would do speeches all over the world for peace. And they would say, what can I do? The world's going to hell in a basket for, excuse my language. But Robert would say, what are you thinking about? What are you imagining for our future? And that's what I get from you. We have to imagine the future that we wanna live in because now when this is over, the COVID-19 has put us into a new place. It's also put us into new awareness of things that we can have happen now that we are more quiet and able to think on our feet and be home with our children. So what makes a person, I'm gonna ask the first question you asked me, what makes a person strong enough to prevent violence?
1: Uh, first of all, that they've faced their own fear. Um, all the greatest and most courageous peace builders that I know all over the world now are those who have actually looked at their demons in the face and, if necessary, talked to their inner critic. We all have an inner critic. I mean, When I talk to big audiences and I say, please raise your hand if you do not, have an inner critic, and nobody does. So we all have to face this voice from childhood often that criticizes us at every turn. And one of the things we have to do as a daily practice, if necessary, is to identify and talk to that dark side of ourselves. Uh, Because if we just run away from our shadow or our fear, it will pursue us. So we have to turn around, sit down and have a conversation with it. Sometimes I do this at three o'clock in the morning because that's when the inner critic wakes me up with a growling on my shoulder as to what I haven't done and should do and so on. And you'll probably think I'm mad, but what I do when I toss and turn and can't get back to sleep, I get up, I make a cup of tea because I'm British and get back into bed and put two. Pillows, and uh, suggest to my demon, who's actually a dragon, a fire-breathing dragon, that it sit on the other cushion. And I said to say to it, "Why did you wake me up at three o'clock in the morning?" And then I go and sit on that other cushion, and lo and behold, I speak with the voice of that dragon. I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth, but what comes out of my mouth is what he. It is a male would say. And it's usually a repeat of the chastisement, the, bl- the blundering I've had that woke me up in the morning. Like, you haven't prepared properly for tomorrow. You're going to fall flat on your face. You're just going to make a mess of this. So I go back to my cushion and I say, that is not very helpful. You have to be quite tough with your inner critic. Mm-hmm. What do you really want me to know that you know that I ought to know? Because I know he does. Then I go back to his cushion and answer in his voice. And gradually, he calms down and begins to deliver the truth that I need. And it always ends up being incredibly helpful. It's it's like that he knows that truth that I didn't know I knew. And um, I picture him now as having under his left claw a diamond. And if I can approach that fire breathing dragon and develop a dialogue with him, he will lift his claw and I can get that diamond of truth, which is really how I've, I think, shaped the last 15 years of my life.
0: Wow, what a fabulous technique. Because, um in my master's program, we had to do that. We had to talk to our dark side, put it on the you know on the chair, and find out. But I forgot about it. And thank you for reminding me because that um, small little voice that says, "What the heck are you doing now? Who says you can do that?" And then sometimes I talk to it, other times I ignore it. But I think talking to it gives us more strength, doesn't it?
1: Absolutely does, because then it it can't um well, if it does run after us and nag us, we just turn around and say, okay, what now? What do I need to know? Tony? What do I
0: need to know? What a beautiful question.
1: Yeah. And, and it, does, it does have our best interests at heart, our dark side. You wouldn't think it the way it often behaves, but it does have a great insight into the truth for us.
0: And I think that's why we were born, to discover that destiny that we were encoded with at birth. And now all of a sudden, we have an opportunity to find out what's stopping us. What is stopping us? And how can we find the truth about that? You know, I could, well, you've already given us so much wisdom that I just want to thank you. I know you're extremely busy getting a new CEO for which nonprofit are you working on right now?
1: It's called The Business Plan for Peace. It's based on a book that I wrote a couple of years ago.
0: I also have that book. Thank you. I'm going to ask you my number one question in my heart and my mind, because I remember the Dalai Lama saying to my dear husband, Robert Mueller, a Western woman, a woman is going to save our world. All right, here we go. Here's the question. What is the role of women in our future?
1: Oh, well, everything really. Um, If you look at, um, there was a wonderful article in Forbes magazine. I'm sure you saw it in April that outlined why the eight countries that had done best with the pandemic to that point were all led by women. Yes, And the one that stood out for me was, and not New Zealand, she's fabulous, but the prime minister of Norway, who said, this is a very frightening time for children. I am now going to have a television program weekly only for children. I want to know what what's frightening them, what they need what we can do to support them during this pandemic. And I thought, wow, that is leadership. That is attending to what will um, trouble families, what will erupt in families when they're in shutdown and so on. So uh, it's just an example of what the future could be like if all of us women, all of us uh, who have a moment's ever free time to, support and put forward the fine women we know for leadership positions, for decision-making positions, for positions of responsibility. Because once we have more than 50% women in leadership, top leadership positions, we'll be able to do things that are vitally necessary, like reform the United Nations. Because at the moment, its behavior over Syria was catastrophic and deplorable because the veto was exercised by one of the five permanent members of the security council and that uh, disallowed any uh, cessation of the of the terrible conflict which has caused havoc throughout the middle east and further and as you and i know any harm done to individuals uh, in a war lasts for three generations so those refugees now pouring into lebanon trying to get across the mediterranean these people are traumatized their children are traumatized we're traumatized just hearing it because it could have been prevented
0: i knew it i knew it and you know it and what is stopping us from getting up and saying stop stop this right now
1: Well, this is why we have to have women in decision making positions. So, what I'm recommending is that if you know, if anybody listening to this broadcast knows a fine, well qualified woman who should be uh, in the United Nations, who should be leading her country, who should be leading her community at any level, get behind her, Mm -hmm. support her. Let's all support each other get the biographies written, get the people put in front of the uh, adjudicating committees, get women in leadership positions because, um, and there are, I have to qualify this by saying, feminine intelligence, if we like, yin intelligence, is available to men just as it is to women. Your husband was one of them. So that that wisdom of um, Oh, it's compassion, cooperation, um, using intuition, uh, insisting that the entire world is interconnected, that what I do even think affects everybody else. People who can lead with those qualities, be they men or women, are the ones we want. And those are the ones we have to get behind.
0: You are listening to the most marvelous woman, a woman who is inspiring us to be all we can be. Men, you have to listen because your intuition, we need it. We need you to have your heart speaking with you also. We need your souls that your mother nurtured to become strong enough to take on the issues that we're facing today. And I'm going to honor your words. Let the women lead. Let the women lead who are qualified. Support them. I, I see so many awakened leaders in our my path, and I'm going to support them. Tell them, don't wait. It's your turn. It's our turn. Why are we still alive today, Sela?
1: Because we know we need to work together. Sure. That's true. Exactly. exactly. You've got it precisely. I mean, if every woman like us uh, got the hold of the biographies of five other women, and used all her strength, imagination and resources to push those women into the positions they deserve. Do you know, I'm sure you do, that when the UN surveyed what happens around peace tables, in 2009, they found that only two and a half percent of those who sat around peacemaking, peace negotiations were female. Result, the peace agreements reached only lasted five years. As soon as the percentage went up to 10%, those agreements lasted 15 years longer. And when I thought about this, I thought, why is that? And then it dawned on me. Normally, when you've got warlords on either side of a table negotiating peace, what they're interested in is weapons, power, uh, money, resources, all those things, the spoils of war. When you get women around those tables... They bring up the things they're responsible for, looking after the orphans, uh, taking care of those soldiers with PTSD, uh, healing the wounds of war, even burying the dead. Uh, these are the things that women cope with in the fallout of war. And when those things are woven into the peace agreement, that's how you stop the cycle of violence going around again.
0: Ooh, what a hopeful statement you just made. We have to get women at the negotiating tables. And when you started talking about burying your dead and the victims of war it reminded me we're on the 200th anniversary of Florence Nightingale. I just interviewed Dr. Um, Barbara Dawsey, and she is a Florence Nightingale scholar. Why? This woman was out there. And she said, wait a minute, I have to do something. And that's what I'm hearing today from you. Wait a minute, we have to do something and we can do it. What an honor Cella, to have you on this program. I'm going to have to have you back again. And I love six o'clock in the morning. We're going to do this. I have to get women to wake up, wake up, women, wake up, man. This is our world. We can't let it go the way it wants. We have to let it go with strong leadership, women, children being cared for. I could talk to you for the next hour, but we're going to let you go with one last word. Tell us what you'd like our world to do right now.
1: Um, um, let me just give that a bit of thought because obviously what we've just been talking about is uppermost for me, but I, th- I do believe we need to learn the lessons that this pandemic is trying to teach us. I believe that the pandemic is here because we didn't listen to nature before. Nature sent us floods, we didn't listen. Nature sent us fires, we didn't listen. We didn't do something about the environmental damage we were causing. Now we need to really take those lessons to heart. We need to stop consuming gasoline for a start. We need to send the fossil fuel companies into renewables fast. We need to get a... a, protection for our precious rainforests, the ones that still exist. We need to slow down consumption of everything. I don't know about you, but here in the UK, people have found they've actually been spending much less during the pandemic, during the lockdown. Use those savings to bring about change, not to rush back to the shops. We do not need any more stuff. We have enough stuff. In our attics are bursting, you know, stop with the stuff and get with the putting your savings into supporting uh, non-governmental organizations, those that are doing a really fine job. I
0: can't even talk because this <laughs> is my dream. My dream. I wrote an editorial for the news press, our newspaper. And I said, stop. What do you think nature is telling us right now? Nature is saying, you don't need to drive to work. You can stay home. You can be with your children. You can, you can do so much. And I love that. I am spending so little money now because I'm not out trying to be a movie star. I'm just trying to be at home and listen to people like you. Oh, man, am I excited. I don't usually get to tears in an interview. Today my heart is so open and the tears are flowing, but I'm trying to stop them so I don't start boohooing all over the place. I'm <laughs> thinking, I am boohooing, enjoy, because you're speaking from my heart and my soul. I know what you're saying. Why do I have a piece of property in Costa Rica that's in a humble little cabin so that I can go in there and be real? It didn't have I don't have to have high heels and nylons and everything else, but I have who I am. Who I am speaks so loudly. And that's what I see from you, Celia. I see you. I see you, Celia, that you are the woman who's going to lead us.
1: Oh, with that, Barbara, huh. You are. it's been a tonic talking to you. I'm open to talk any time in the future. And I really, I feel inspired by this and energized. So thank you.
0: Uh, my pleasure. You are listening to my favorite author. And I'm going to show you the title of this book, Pioneering the Possible. And the way she writes, you're just going to be able to move forward and do
1: all sorts
0: of things. Would
1: you like to hold something up? I see you're searching. I would. I would. I would, Barbara. And The one I've just finished is this one. It's called The Mighty Heart, oh. how, how to Transform Conflict. And it's just very little and thin. You can get it online uh, on my website and on the Business Plan for Peace website. And it's all, it's just the skills we need today to deal with the conflicts we're facing in the family, in the workplace, in the street, Uh, and in our larger communities, even nationally. So
0: we're going to engineer the consent of the women we're depending upon. Show me the cover of that again. Show me the cover again. And I'm going to tell you. This
1: is my correcting copy. So here you go.
0: Mighty heart. Do you see that women and men out there? We're all going to order it. We're going to have a Zoom talk together about it. The mighty heart is what we are bringing out right now. As I listen and as I dream for the future I want my grandchildren to have, and it's the same future my late husband said, he was going to be a peacemaker, and that's what he's going to be. He was a peacemaker. I mean, your husband was amazing. And today we're going to celebrate our our Peace Prize. Uh, It doesn't matter, but that's not one important thing right now. The most important part is that you have encouraged us to energize what we know is right. And you also help us understand what we can do if that little dragon as you call it comes forth and says, wait a minute, who do you think you are? What do you need to learn about that? Oh, all right. I'm going to just thank you with all my heart. This is Barbara Gun Mueller thanking our wonderful guest today, and she's not going to be a stranger. Now, I always say this at the end of my programs. I say, please bring five people together and watch it together. Or watch it at home and then have a conversation. Get on Zoom and pay attention. What do you learn every time you listen to one of our guests? You know, Peace Podcast, I brought it to you after my late husband died because I said we have to keep the power going for those who are working for peace and prosperity, health and happiness. Without further ado, bless your heart. I salute you. And right back at you. Women and men today have so much potential. Don't let anybody stop you. Thank you for joining us. I'm Barbara Gon Mueller. You're listening to peacepodcast.org.